0: Few ideas in business are as commonly discussed as leadership. Just think about all the business books and articles and videos and bits of advice out there, all dealing with this topic. And sometimes with common ideas, we forget exactly what we're talking about. So today, we're going back to the basics and talking about what is leadership actually. In this episode, we discuss. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work, and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please
1: visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about, what are we even talking about when we talk about leadership? And it's not just (laughs) being in charge and making more money, right? All right, and we're going to talk about what do we know about leadership and how it actually works and how we each make progress in our own leader development journeys.
0: That's great. And, you know, one thing that I just thought of as you were talking about those different parts of what we'll discuss today, that piece of what do we know about leadership and how it works, we're not actually talking about what does, what do Ben and Chris know about leadership, although that'll be part of it. We're, because we come from a perspective of, hey, people have been studying this thing for a long time. And so we're going to discuss that, and we're going to discuss what is known through research and through evidence about this thing that we call leadership. So let's hop into this, and maybe start with this first question: um, with regards to what are we talking about when we talk about leadership? And perhaps we can start, uh, you know, with what people commonly talk about, right? So, you know, sometimes I hear people use leadership as, and I've done this too, use leadership as a noun. And you say like, you know, or you, in terms of talking about a group of people, leadership did this. Leadership needs to decide, talking about a group of perhaps people in positions of authority in an organization doing things. Um, but, you know, just more commonly, what do you think about, Chris, when you think about leadership? Well, because mm-hmm. we're in this space, Ben, I think about the glut of
1: awful things I've heard about it along the way, right? You know, look, he looks so sharp in a suit. He <laughs> must be a leader, you know, or, you know, I, all of the primordial ooze that is the cesspool of kind of mm-hmm. lay people's thoughts, which have actually gotten better, I got to say, over the years, as better information has gotten out there. And then I think about how leadership actually is and works. And it's actually for everybody if they just take the few moments to
0: reflect and develop those concrete things. That's great. You know, it's interesting because we do have these implicit notions of what leadership is and what leaders do, what leaders look like. And those implicit ideas, we call them folk theories, right? We have these kind of theories about what leaders do and what they look like when they're effective and things like that. It can really influence how we think about this entire topic, right? So let's uh, maybe start with um, going back to uh, you know this whole idea of, is this really different from management, right? Because I think that's a good place to start. Sometimes people say, you'll see this on LinkedIn, for example, you'll see a, a meme or something where somebody is trying to get a bunch of likes and they say, don't be a manager, be a leader, or, you know, a boss is a manager, Uh, you know, somebody who cares is a leader. And sometimes there's a nugget of uh, a kernel of truth in there. Sometimes there's not depending on how they kind of position it. But uh, I do think that there is a distinction, perhaps, between leadership and management. And uh, it's maybe important to think about if we're trying to get our terms straight. I don't know if it's as important when we think about the real world and how things actually operate. Yeah, that, and actually, I
1: would say management skills
0: are more important because
1: ninety-nine percent plus of people will not be in a actual. As we think about it from the management and you know leadership and development type leader uh, stuff, you're not going to be developing strategy for an organization, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but. Building and leading teams, executing towards a goal and mission that we'll talk more about. You know, management is probably if I if I had only so many eggs to put in the basket, right? For a likely outcome for anybody's life, I'd probably put eighty percent into the management mat- basket and maybe only twenty in the leadership basket.
0: That's a that's a lot of eggs in the management basket. I don't know if I'd put that many, but you know, one way to think about this distinction comes from John Cotter, and he's a retired Harvard professor, and he's written some stuff on change and leadership, and some of his stuff is good, some of it I have questions about. But one thing he says that I think is perhaps helpful here is the way he defines it is that management is about dealing with complexity, and certainly in our lives, in our organizations, in our projects, there's a lot of complexity. Management is fundamentally about the, you know, those activities of Uh, planning, organizing, directing, controlling what happens. And that is very helpful, right? It's absolutely essential if you're going to get stuff done. Leadership is about dealing with change and about doing things that have perhaps not been done before and going in a direction that isn't well charted. And that certainly is important too. So perhaps another way to kind of think about it is a continuum, right? Being a, a leader versus being a manager you know things that leaders do things like establishing the organization's mission and developing strategy for that mission when you get into the the manager's role it's more about implementing that strategy through others dealing with the complexity of actually getting things done
1: yeah and and the reason i said 80 20 for me ben is i i know a very few people are like I want to come in and change the entire organizational mission of this org. I yeah, think but it's you don't misaligned. have to, I mean,
0: that's not, leadership can be in very small ways too. It's not just about changing the whole organization's mission. Sure, sure. But what I, we're just looking at like an enterprise
1: level organization, that kind of stuff. There are times, and, and Ben and I, we toot this horn all the time about everyday leaders leading from where you are, and we'll develop that. But when we're looking from Cotter's perspective, right, mm-hmm. just in this kind of lens, Most people aren't excited about organizational mission, competitive strategy, how they do. Most people that I meet and um, talk to that say, hey, what should I do with my career? What kind of skills? You know, really what they're talking about is setting schedules, hiring, building teams, making sure people feel fulfilled at work and are being efficient. Um, making sure that they're executing that strategy efficiently. And that just thrills them to death. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see a whole lot of people that are like cracking open the strategic management textbooks Yeah, But, and- I,
0: but uh, I, I would separate, you know, the fundamentals of being a leader for, and, and this idea of leadership as we'll get into it a little bit more. It, it doesn't necessarily have to do with strategy. It, yeah. it can it right can. some of it does like you mentioned one thing uh, in terms of making sure people feel fulfilled at work i think that's more of a leadership thing than it is a management thing but they go hand in hand and perhaps you know <laughs> perhaps this is there are some blurry distinctions here that don't matter too much they they
1: absolutely are but stop people need to stop putting down management like it's some absolutely. suboptimal gear i'm right. yes. and the, and let's <laughs> let's use that to bridge over here You know, there's this idea of leaders and followers. I do the smart thinking, you guys do the working. Mm. That's really not the right, that's not the right way to think about this. And management is a super, I can't think of quality leaders in organizations that don't also have quality management
0: skills. Precisely. And I enthusiastically agree with that. You know, if you've been in an organization where you only have somebody who is, uh, you know, talking about perhaps the organization's mission and big picture ideas and the vision and all those types of things, but doesn't have any of those skills and doesn't do any of the things that need to occur to get things done, that's a super frustrating experience. So you absolutely need both. Uh, but today we are talking about the the leadership side of things. And perhaps we can now bring our listeners along to say, okay, how how do we think about this? Um, how does the you know how do people who research this thing called leadership, and I would include myself as one of those people, uh, how do we talk about it? How do we think about this idea of leadership? And so, first of all, we don't talk about leadership as a person. Leadership is a social process. It's something that occurs within teams, within groups. Uh, certainly in organizations, it's it's an interpersonal type of activity. So you can't, leadership doesn't occur in a vacuum, right? And so uh, it, it has to do with this idea of influencing, motivating, and enabling others to contribute toward the effectiveness and success of the organizations of which they are members. So these, you know, how do we get people to actually want to do things? How do we create some... As, you know aspirational vision of the future, so that people can work together and align themselves in a way that is productive. Uh, but again, it's a social process, and just being in a position of authority doesn't make you a leader at all. Leadership can occur, and leaders should uh, be sprinkled throughout your organization. Uh, you know, one of the things that I tell uh, people who work for me uh, in my military roles is that. I expect leadership from everybody. It, you know, everybody should be from at, at every level uh, should be at various times exhibiting leadership and other times being great followers too, right? Yeah. And I love that you say social process and it, that
1: it's so important. And one of the definitions for me for leadership is able to create other leaders. Mm. Right? And when I think coming out of a guitar background, right? I know the steps that it takes for somebody to become proficient at guitar. So if it's like, um, are you a good guitar teacher? Let me see your students that really latched on. They should be able to rip, right? And I have several students that are playing professionally in Nashville. So like I can validate my ability to teach. And this social process of leadership is more concrete than people think. And so for me, one of the definitions of leadership is able to turn out other leaders, mm-hmm. which would mean, you know, if you take a lot of people I talked to initially in our coaching engagements, how do you create a leader? What are the requisite skills? How does a social process work? What are the behaviors you see in that social process? It's like, oh, they look at you eyes wide. They, You know, they don't know. But. But people who study this actually take a look and there's ways in which leadership is transitioned from one person to another. And I want to say one more thing on that. That doesn't mean that they, because a lot of people just have kind of one gear of leadership that they do. And then they turn out a bunch of cronies that look exactly like they do. Now, the problem is, is those leaders aren't going to be successful outside of this context. And we'll talk about bit about that you know what you really want is to be able to know this social process so cold that you can turn out leaders that can be successful in a whole host and variety of contexts because everything's not the same even from one day to the next
0: you know this idea of shared leadership i think is a really good one and it's this idea that you know even if you are in a position of authority you are not necessarily going to be doing the the leading type work all the time. You might be doing some management type work. You might have individual contributor stuff that you're still responsible for and that you're doing. Uh, That doesn't really go away as you get more senior necessarily. Um, Some parts of it do. It it morphs. It changes. But uh, this idea of shared leadership is that, You know, this social process of getting us all in the right direction and moving us towards some sort of collective goal, that should be something that we share together. And then instead of saying, you know, those types of things are only the uh, under the purview of people at the top, uh, it's really it's inaccurate, first of all, because if you've ever been in an organization where you've had, you know, uh, oftentimes there'll be people who are kind of the informal leaders, they don't have a position of authority. But people really respect them. Maybe they, you know, um, see a lot of value in their ideas and people follow them. And those people certainly are, are doing the, the work of leadership when they do that. Uh, and so I think as a leader uh, or as a, as a person in a position of authority, you should always remember that, hey, we need to do leadership together. <laughs> this is not just something that I do. I should be inspiring and helping other people do this as well. I know a very few people that get
1: so senior that they don't have to validate what's on their PowerPoint slide that they're gonna brief at a strategy senior meeting. Mm-hmm. They're they're in the weeds and not in the weeds on stuff. So right. Ben, when's the last time you did PowerPoint?
0: <laughs> I mean, I I still still do various pieces of it, right? Right. And I was actually talking, I was talking to some some person senior to me. Um, in the military recently, and and he was saying, yeah, I was that I was would be out. an admiral for the uninitiated, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. So ab- above me is an admiral. I am not an admiral, but uh, you know, so this person I was talking to, uh, you know, said that he was working on some PowerPoint slides, and we were just kind of laughing about it because he's like, yeah, I guess you know, I I did need to do some things to this to make it right. And you're you're absolutely right that people in positions of authority, especially you know, over the past year, I've gotten a really cool look at. Um, kind of as at the upper echelons of the the navy, at least how we do things. And I tell you what, you know, we've got some really smart people who have a lot on their plates at the top levels. And uh, when they're going in off and often doing things, they have a whole team of people that are helping to prepare them. And there's a lot of leadership that occurs at lower levels to help make sure that that person in the position of authority is ready. Um, and able to do their job. So, you know, if we didn't have shared leadership there, it it just wouldn't work. Uh, It doesn't mean that you're uh, abdicating your responsibility as a leader, but you're giving people authority. You know, in the Navy, sometimes we say that you can delegate authority. You can give someone the um, ability to make decisions about certain things and to do stuff, but you never delegate responsibility, right? To make sure that something actually happens and gets done and driving results that still resides with you, uh, if you're in a position of authority, um, or if you're in that formal, uh, role. So I I think if, if that's kind of what leadership is and, you know, leaders the way I think about leaders in that context. So I distinguish between leadership and leaders and leaders are people who you call someone a leader when they are engaging in that social process of influence and, and anybody can be in that position. Right. So, um, I, I think it's, it's important to think about things that way, uh, but but when we take a step back, I think there's also an important context of or um, idea that in order to do that type of work and do it well, a lot of it actually starts internally like I have to kind of see myself as being able to lead or you know at least having some ability to influence wanting to kind of put yourself out there a little bit It doesn't I mean we're talking in small groups and teams even uh, and uh, you know thinking of yourself as having some leadership abilities and being a a potential leader in certain situations, that's necessary for you to even, you know, kind of um, develop in your role. Now, one of the interesting things about the
1: military is somebody comes out through the Naval Academy, West Point, or maybe they just show up out of the OCS type system. That's officer candidate school. And nobody says, "Do they look like a Total stud, ready to step into this that there's not that assessment it's can mm-hmm. you meet the requirements so do you are you not a criminal with a drug dealing history? Do you not have a tattoo on your face? Okay, you can start this leadership journey in the military, then it's you go to your school and get trained, and they're not saying, Did you score?' In the top 1% of your class, they said, did you meet the requirements of this school training? And then they put you in front of people, mm-hmm. right? And I've seen some people that got made fun of and derided along that process by some peers for being kind of wimpy looking. But actually, they were really fast runners, right? They were just kind of scrawny, <laughs> all right? But could you, could you even climb the rope? Yes, they did climb the rope. So according to the standards that were set by the system, they met the requirements to be a leader, even though their peers, because they were focused on how this person looked. And a Mm -hmm. lot of people, Ben, we've met senior people that are short, tall, all different looks. And when you start working with them, you're like, my gosh, this guy's actually really good. Right. But but what is it with us that we take how somebody looks as as a somehow how they would be as a leader?
0: I mean, well, so that's a whole other really interesting area of leadership and it had or of uh of academic study, I would say. Um and there's there are some interesting ideas that uh come from an idea called status characteristics, so we look at these external characteristics and we we make these quick decisions about someone's potential or their ability. You know, um, and yeah, we we do that a lot. And it goes back to kind of those folk theories about what we think people, um, you know, in these positions should perhaps look like. And and I think these are cognitive shortcuts that we make. And I think you just got to be careful uh, with with the the prejudgments that we sometimes impose upon situations and upon people. Um, I mean, Ben, some of that
1: stuff goes to this idea of competencies, right? And leadership. Sure. We define competencies as the personal characteristics that lead to superior performance in a leadership role. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people, when they look at a leader, right, they're thinking, well, I'm a person, that person's in leadership. I'm not. I don't know. Cause you were mentioning, like, people are saying, well, I want to be a leader. What do I need to do? And it almost seems like smoke and mirrors. Because I'm in here doing my individual contributor, but I think I can do more. But I look at this leadership, one, two, three steps up the corporate rung, and I have no idea what's going on at that level. Because I I just come in, I make the soup every day, I don't know actually what's happening up in that position.
0: Right. So, well, first of all, if you're just making the soup every day and that you're happy with that, awesome. Awesome. Right, uh, I think that there's there are opportunities for leadership that are you know that are really at any level. Maybe you have an idea about how to make the soup better or more efficiently, uh, and you you start to share that and you start to uh, influence other people. Right? Maybe your your demeanor in, around the the kitchen as the soup maker, uh, you know, is is one that um, inspires other people to do their job in a certain way. Uh, that is leadership, and you know. Before we get into the competencies, I think it's it's helpful to think about like why do we even need this thing, this process of leadership? And I, I think part of it is that you can't make a rule for everything. And uh, you know, if we if we could make rules for everything, you know, sometimes you like to say, hey, like I'd like to have a playbook for this. And I, I think in many situations there isn't a playbook, and it's it's life is too ambiguous and uncertain. Um, and so because well, we can't have
1: a playbook that tells you what to do, but your playbook is how to sense and begin to respond to these kinds of sure. things.
0: Sure. So maybe it's a different type of playbook, I, I suppose. Um, but you can't make a rule for everything. Uh, leadership in and of itself is oftentimes this happens in these situations where you are doing things that haven't been done before. And this, I think, is where re- a lot of this really comes back. To who you are as a person, how you think about, you know, how you sense in response to the environment, how you, uh, your values are absolutely critical because, you know, at the top of an organization, let's say you are at the top positionally, and so you do have the ability or you have the opportunity to, you know, have fairly wide reaching leadership. Um, you know, you're going to have to make decisions that on un- unlimited information, and you're going to have to do that in a way that doesn't necessarily have a bunch of rules associated with it in terms of what you should and shouldn't do. Sometimes, I also think that uh, you know we have a changing world. The world is one in which uh, things oftentimes shift. Uh, organizations are oftentimes going through change, and leadership is important in those situations. Um, people oftentimes need direction. Um, you know, we, we do look to others within hierarchies. We look to others for guidance, right? If, if two, two peers in an organization are not working well together, oftentimes they look to a, the, the person who is their boss um, to help lead that situation. Uh, and, you know, I think there's just another category of stuff where, you know, things just don't always go the way they're supposed to in organizations. Um, there's a lot of unexpected uh, things that happen. Uh, people don't always do what they're supposed to do. And leaders... Uh, when they are doing this thing we call leadership, can provide some structure and provide some direction for how to navigate all of that.
1: All right. So
0: we go to competencies now? Sure. Well, I think first, let's let let's just kind of talk about how, uh, how we talk about leadership in terms of studying it, right? How this has happened. Um, so there are a bunch of different approaches towards studying leadership. And what it really started as was this kind of great man, great woman type of idea that there are these people who are very successful in certain situations, let's study them, let's figure out their traits, and let's do those things, (laughs) right? Uh, And you still see this, you still see this. this is so good. You can't have a movie,
1: and this is how it gets into the social imagination. You can't have a movie, or I can't think of very many, with a completely unconventional leader. Could you imagine leading the Avengers and Marvel? Or could you imagine McCarthy, uh, MacArthur rather being a diminutive person with, you know, who wasn't a get out into the front lines, you know, that there was just kind of like a pencil pusher type person. Like nobody would watch those movies because it's part of the popular parlance that
0: leaders have this magical pizzazz of something that's just who they are. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think there probably are some examples of stories and literature and media in which you may have somebody who is, uh, um, you know, perhaps defies some of those expectations and yet still is effective in a leadership capacity. Yeah, if any of our listeners have some of those movies,
1: send us an email from the website and and let us know. But the, the majority of this stuff is capturing people's imagination. Right, mm. and capturing you know the zeitgeist and uniquely seeing what needs to be done or, or what the group
0: needs to do, yeah, well, and I suppose the uh, you know we oftentimes see this in the popular business literature, where you'll see a, um, a biography about someone. Now, I like biographies. I like memoirs, even. I like kind of hearing people's perspectives, but I think you have to go into it thinking, hey, what this person did in this context made them successful in that context, right? And it made them successful according to themselves, if they're writing a memoir, or maybe according to some other people that were selected to uh, to be um, interviewed or whatever. But um, the problem is that uh, it's, it, it implies this universal approach. You know, because, uh, you know, General Patton did X, Y, and Z, I should think about doing X, Y, and Z. And um, it doesn't always work that cleanly. In fact, it most often does not. Um, at the same time, there are some trends uh, people who are effective in different situations. Uh, so there are, you know, we can learn from the people around us. and you know, as you sometimes say the the monkey do monkey see uh monkey see monkey do approach is what a lot of people do in organizations, and that's it's understandable why people do that because it's it is a reference point for people um to understand how to operate and uh, the, the the problem again is that if you take lessons from someone who was who was successful in one situation and you try to apply them in, in a situation where it, that doesn't fit it's not going to work out so well you know if you're if someone is a, for example a really directive leader and telling everybody what exactly they need to do that works when you have a situation where people are fairly inexperienced and they're doing something non-routine now imagine trying to apply that that type of leadership style in a um, you know, if you're running a, a research lab with a bunch of scientists, like that's not going to work, right? That's when you're leading experts. It's a much different situation. So the, the great man, great woman type trait theories, that's one approach. Um, but then you mentioned and you brought up already this idea of competencies, these uh, kind of mishmash of knowledge, skills, abilities, characteristics that we have and uh you know there are some competencies that it seems like people need to have in order to be successful as as a leader um that are you know they they probably look different in different organizations different industries different contexts um but we can go through a couple of these so you know for example there are some personality characteristics that can be helpful uh you know the the idea of uh, extroversion, right, which is where you're you like being around people and you gain some energy from them. That sometimes is a little bit helpful if you're in leadership situations. Not always. There are some amazing introverts out there who are amazing leaders, um, but that that is somewhat predictive of of leadership success. Um, conscientiousness, right, being able to pay attention to some details, which is actually kind of more management type stuff, but it does help you. You know, if you're trying to create d- direction, alignment, and commitment within an organization, it helps be. of organized when you're doing it no nobody says i want
1: a leader that's not conscientious well how how could you pull your leadership challenge off if if you're not you know really paying attention and caring about some of this stuff
0: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm right you know another piece of this is that uh, some of it comes back to how we see ourselves so you know if um if you see yourself as having something to offer um, others uh, having a unique perspective, having some ability to control kind of what's going on around you—that's um, helpful. Uh, you know, if you're someone who doesn't have a whole lot of faith in your own abilities, it's probably not going to bode well for your ability to to lead others um, if you can't even kind of lead yourself.
1: Dude, I'm so glad you brought that up. So much of my executive coaching has been focused on getting a positive self you know, concept, right? Mm. You're in an organization. Ben, you've been there multiple times. Executives crying in the office with me. I remember the Mm -hmm. first time you're like, do people normally cry in the office with you? And I'm like, yeah, Ben, actually they do. (laughs) Because we got to get to the, you know, if you can have leadership at every level of an organization and you want to be a leader. You've got to deal with your demons that are telling you that you're worthless and horrible. Mm. You know, there's this whole imposter syndrome and stuff. Who, what, who came up with that? Now, sometimes you feel like an imposter because you actually don't know what you're doing. But then that doesn't mean you're horrible. Your self-concept shouldn't be bad in that moment. You're like, oh, well, I need to learn what I'm doing then and, and get rid of those kinds of things. But everybody's worthwhile. Now, if Mm. you're doing stuff that is not worthwhile, if you're being a jack wagon out in society and stuff, you need to knock it off. And then then you can start, as time goes by, building that positive self-evaluation and start building some self-esteem there. If you're an executive or somebody in an organization really struggling with a sense of self, work on that first. Everything else comes after that. It's If you feel really bad
0: about yourself, it's going to be hard for you to get to where you wanna go. Right, and I think part of the confidence that you need to be a good leader is knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know and being okay with that. You know, there are certain parts of running an organization that I'm more or less confident in my own abilities. And that's fine because if I'm in a situation where those things need to happen, I just recruit those skills from somebody else and say, look, hey, this is not my thing. I can understand, I need you to explain it to me, but you're gonna run this piece (laughs) And, and it's all okay. Um, you know, sometimes we come across executives, we come across, well, really leaders at all levels um, that uh, don't have, I think, some of this self-efficacy, this feeling that they can do things, and they mask it by being kind of, as we talked about in our recent bad bosses um they they mask it <laughs> by being a micromanager right um, so if you haven't checked out the bad bosses micromanager episode go go check that one out so okay so that's self concept um you also have to have some some drive you got to have some motivation you got to a uh, curious people um, being you know trying to get things done being action oriented that's helpful for for leaders uh, leaders and leadership Hold up, we- uh, and then some some things around in get, tech- on that piece on the drive I can't tell you how many Mm -hmm. people I've
1: asked. Like, this is the most basic question when you're interviewing somebody for the next level. Why do you want to be a leader here? Mm. And invariably, I'll hear in tons of different, I just want to make money, or I'm tired of people telling me what to do. Now, that doesn't show that inner inner motivation to pursue goals. Hey, I think we can do this better, or I think I would offer this to this team be honest with yourself if you want to be really happy you have to have this like base level of your person that loves what you're doing and then this part of your brain and stuff that's curious and and wants to explore i've met lots of people that don't have that kind of drive and that doesn't mean that you're bad or suboptimal there's just the leaderships people are slightly better humans that's just not true. I know lots of technologists that they just love to be a subject matter expert and that's it, Mm -hmm. right? So you gotta do some reflection on what is your drive for this leadership challenge
0: and and that kind of thing, rather than I just wanna make more money. Right, right. And that kind of ties into this next piece, which is integrity is important and having some consistency between your words, your actions, truthfulness, Uh, And, you know, you may be able to get into a position of authority without some of this, but you're going to derail if you don't have a high level of integrity. At some point, it's going to catch up with you. Uh, It may take a while. Unless you work in like the Scrooge McDuck. What was that
1: movie where they were the stock traders and they were had DiCaprio in it? What was that movie? I, I'm not anyway, sure. Anyway, there are a bunch think. of people breaking the financial stock trading laws as a whole firm. Now, if you want to work in like the mob, you don't have to have integrity. But if you Well, want... <laughs> I, would,
0: I would disagree because if you don't have integrity and you're, you're working in the mob, you're, you're probably going get, to get sideways with some of the people around yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, I guess that there's honor among thieves. <laughs> exactly. Sort of, right? Yeah, but, yeah. but these
1: organizations that are horrible. Like, that's the only kind of place where people who lack integrity thrive. And if you find yourself in one of those, try to get out.
0: Right, right. And it's not to say that everybody, like, people may be listening and thinking, you know, I work for so-and-so, really high-level executive, has no integrity whatsoever. Yeah, that does happen. Um, But I think it also goes back to, like, the basic question of how you want to live your life. And do you want to be a leader who... Influences other people, perhaps through just carrots and sticks, um, or do you want to be someone who leads through integrity and through, um, you know, painting this picture of an inspiring vision for the future and helping people get there, uh, sharing credit, those types of things? So, in the long term, I would uh, I would say that integrity is very important. Um, people who end up uh, in leadership positions also have some motivation to do it, right? That's kind of basic. They they have more of a, of a desire to be in a leadership position. Um, one that sometimes gets overlooked because people are like, oh, it's all this kind of squishy stuff. It's like, you know, you also got to have some knowledge of the business. <laughs> you have to know what that organization does, uh, you know, and bi- uh, by business here, maybe it's more like knowledge of the organization or what, you know, because it certainly applies to nonprofit and to government. Uh, you need to understand your external environment. You need to be able to make good decisions. Uh, if you don't have some deep knowledge about that area, it's going to be challenging for you. Yeah, the e-
1: you, you always have to stay up on your game. I know with new execs that they'll say, well, if I'm not in there doing the work with them or if I'm not micromanaging, what do I do all day? Mm hmm. Right, because it does free up some hours, and it's like, well, how many professional publications in your industry are you reading in a day, week, month? Right? Yeah. How many now lunches? You know, I remember thinking, what do these execs do going on all these lunches? Well, once I found out, it's they're talking to pe- meeting with peers and networks in that industry, so they can sense and understand and share what's going on. They're they're just not getting loaded on martinis and and drunk driving back to work like that's that's not the game here it's you actually have to understand your business environment your competition what's going up top executives can recruit new talent so if you're going to start a new initiative they should have a broad-based network of people that they've grown up hey we need to go get sally she's incredible right Mm -hmm. they're able to pull from that network which means they spend time nurturing those social things
0: and reading and understanding what's going on, absolutely, another piece that's important is you got to have some intelligence <laughs> you know that it's not something that we really can change a whole lot, but your ability to solve problems, your ability to uh, comprehend what's going on around you, that is important and then the other piece of this is social skill, and some people call this emotional intelligence, but um, being able to have a good pulse on your own emotions as well as knowing what's going on with the people around you is important. so I want to move on from this competencies we could do this forever i know (laughs) there's a lot more that we can there's a lot more to discuss here about leadership Um, you know because i think it highlights some tendencies it may help you think about okay if i'm if i really want to be influential i probably need to you know work on these few different areas um but you know leadership is also um, about your relationships with followers it's not only within yourself um and uh I, th- I think it's important to remember that, and this, is, this also comes from the research on, on leadership from this area we call leader-member exchange, this idea that we have to have good relationships with the people around you. Um, there were some studies that looked at leadership early on that said, uh, you know, leadership involves this idea of initiating structure, right, creating kind of the context for how things are going to work, how people are going to interact with each other, and then this idea of consideration making sure that people are, feel like they're cared about, and maybe not just that they feel cared about, that they actually are cared about uh, as human beings, uh, that they know how they fit in the team, that they have that sense of belonging within the group. Uh, so that's that's very important as well. One of the things is, um,
1: in the literature, is this idea of perceived organizational support. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a dark side of that, because... My thing is, like, we need actual organizational support. We don't need our followers and people in our org to just perceive think they're supported only to find out when they need it that they're not. Like, so as as a leader, you've got to care. Don't fake this stuff, guys.
0: Sure. Well, the reason that we call it perceived organizational support is because that's how we measure it in the social sciences. Right, right. We ask people their, their, their perceptions of organizational support, which is is important, right? Because that is in the eye of the beholder the beholder. But yes, you're right. I think you can't fake this stuff if you want to do it right. So you know, the research then kind of moved into this idea of leader behaviors and styles, and I mentioned this idea of initiating structure and consideration that there are these people oriented behaviors, there's task oriented behaviors. I think that's an important thing to think about. And just practically speaking, for myself as a leader, um, or when I'm trying to do this thing of leadership um, because of my position, Sometimes I think it is helpful to think about: All right, am I am I doing a good job of of initiating, you know, structure and making sure that we have good tasks assigned and making sure people are doing things the way they should be doing? And then at the same time, am I also doing these people oriented things where I'm making sure people are heard, that I'm listening to them, that I am you know checking in on their well being, making sure that I'm building that trust and respect? And that a lot I think a lot of times comes through the you know being a humble leader. Um, you know, you've got to have some humility and, and be sure that you're checking in with people and listening making sure that you aren't perhaps going off in the wrong direction, you know, building a culture around you where people are willing to call you on your own garbage. Uh, you know, that's, that's really, really important, especially as you get more senior. People get so task driven and
1: in our coaching, that's, you know, Hey, cause assigning the tasks making sure the rules are followed, that you're driving results. Because most, if you're an executive, you're reporting to somebody. If you're the CEO, you're reporting to the board of directors, and they're like, where are we in getting all this stuff done? And it can make us focus so much on the task, but an important task as for you as a leader, wherever you are, is to not forget the people tasks, mm-hmm. right? And because your team, you know, wow, this is such a successful manager or executive. But you go interview their team, and they're like, "This person doesn't care because they don't spend those times parts of your day." And so, if you're if you're just sitting there, if you could take one thing out of the many things in this episode, is you need to make sure that you take time out of your week, day, month to actually do some stuff. With your people now this isn't like a trust fall but checking in hey filson how are you feeling about how things are going in this organization right now right or hey janet i know you just came back after your kid was really sick are you okay you know you it's so easy to get wrapped on the task oriented stuff that we forget the people curation and if you're a good leader Like the better leaders, make sure that they spend some time on those items.
0: That's great. You know, another piece here is uh, thinking about the situation. So, you know, in the leadership uh, research kind of trajectory over the decades, uh, we started with that great man, great woman stuff. Look at traits. Look at some behaviors, and we've learned some things along the way. And I think these are all helpful lenses through which we can look at leadership. A another and very helpful way to think about leadership, um, and do, which does have research support, is this idea of the, of the contingency perspective or the situational perspective. Um, and there are a few different ways to think about this and some kind of some different labels that people have put on all this stuff. But really what, you, what this is about is, hey, you know, before I decide what I'm going to do as a leader, if I'm trying to influence a group, I need to look at two things. I need to look at who the people are that are involved and I need to look at what they're trying to do, kind of what's going on in the environment. Those two things. And if it's people who are, you know, highly skilled and are doing things that they've always done before, well, you know, that's probably more where I just need to set some goals and help remove barriers, right? If it's a group that's perhaps very junior and they're doing things that uh, you know that they haven't done before. They just don't really know what they're doing. That's where you need to be very directive. So you know you can think about it in terms of behaviors of being directive, supportive, participative, or achievement oriented, depending on who the people are, um, their skills, their their level of um, comfort and experience with the tasks, and what's going on in the environment. And if you do that right, this idea is, uh, then you're going to be effective if you match the situation and I think the big takeaway for anyone who's trying to be effective as a leader is one size does not fit all when it comes to your leadership style. You need to adapt given, depending on what's going on with your people and with the situations they face. This is so novel that I've
1: been accused by executives I'm coaching, you're teaching me to be a people manipulator. Mm. And that is ridiculous. If you come into, uh, you know, you come home from work or something and you see your kid crying on the sofa, do you just keep your same demeanor from the office? Buck up, bucko. Or, you know, where's my PowerPoint? No, you say, oh, my gosh, this kid (laughs) needs empathy right now. Hey, what's wrong? Now, Mm -hmm. nobody accuses you of adopting the correct demeanor and perspective and inquisitiveness as emotionally manipulating that child into feeling better. No, you're obtuse if you don't adapt. You know, what's that song? I'm the kind of guy that laughs at a funeral. That's the wrong thing to be doing probably at most funerals, right? So adapting your leadership behavior and having different gears that, because you know what? You need stuff from your followers, right? You need them to do your work, inform you, get along with their coworkers, but your followers need stuff from you. Mm. And if you gotta adapt, and we've all, you know, any of us that are parents and stuff, sometimes our kids ask for stuff that's maybe like a little bit outside our skill set or maybe not the default, but we have to show up for those kids, our kids, in a way that's meaningful. And that's kind of what we're talking. About here. Your group, your team needs something from you. And what they need from you is, is related to where you are in the competitive market space, all of those kinds of things. What's going on? Are you going through a major change thrust? Well, then you're gonna need to be doing a lot of communication around change and and helping people know it's gonna be okay. We're gonna get to the other side. This is not a people man, uh, manipulation or emotional manipulation. This is being the right kind of person
0: that the moment needs from you. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm in various leadership situations that I've been in, I, I always try to, you know, kind of balance the, the various things that I do in that role. So for example, I try to make sure that I'm providing some periodic updates that are at a strategic level that they wouldn't hear about otherwise. Um, and in so doing, trying to help connect what they're doing with the bigger picture, right? And um, because it, it that helps with uh, them knowing kind of what to do and how it all fits together. It's also very satisfying and motivating when you feel like <laughs> you know what you're doing matters. Um, and I also then try to uh, make sure that I'm checking in and that people have feel like they can ask questions. Uh, that uh, that I'll make time for them if necessary and that i do care about them as people uh you know and so and and there are easy ways to do this and some of this you may say oh it's just common sense and whatever and if it were common sense it would be more common um but when if someone's having a tough time if they get sick or they have a, a family member that has an issue you know check it in with them about that um that's that's a nice thing to do, and it also communicates that you actually care about those people. And again, you can't really fake this. you actually actually have to <laughs> have to care. Um, but that can be really motivating. If you think about somebody who actually cared about you as a person and um, you know, checked in with you and valued what you did for the team, You know, there's probably um, a lot that you would do in return for that person. Uh, There's there's a decent amount of motivation that that would engender based upon uh, their relationship with you.
1: Yeah the the key word here is relationship quality matters, and it really does. And that means if you really want to take on this leadership challenge, if that's if you're motivated towards that, practicing building real relationships with all kinds of people around you and it's not it's not this kind of you know transactional exchange oh this person can help me i'm gonna go be buddy buddy with them Mm. if you find out that somebody's just your friend because you have a membership to this golf course or something like that that really frames you like wait this isn't a real relationship and anybody right you only get to meet so many people in this life And I would say everybody around you is a special treasure. This is at least how I think about it, that you only get one chance with. And really treating those people authentically and actually caring is an important part of that.
0: So you mentioned this idea of relationship quality. This comes from this idea of leader-member exchange. Another key idea here is it can be very easy if you're not careful to create kind of in-groups and out-groups within a team. You know, there are the people who um, perhaps you... Just a, a you know identify more with or you get along with more, uh, but make sure that you're you're an equal opportunity leader that you're reaching out to everybody and not creating those distinctions. Talk tell, um, tell me about an out group, Ben. Like what is an out group and kind of how does it evolve? Well, it can evolve in a whole bunch of different ways, um, but you know this this could be a group within a group within a team that uh, doesn't get perhaps as much attention from the boss um they they aren't kind of in the know when it comes to knowledge sharing uh they have less face time perhaps with the boss uh they they don't get treated in a they get treated in a less special way uh than this uh, than the in group would and um it can happen for a variety of reasons but one reason it can happen is the leader's behavior they create higher quality relationships with certain people but not with others and we, you know if you're on the out group of that you really don't like it because um, you know you will essentially see that as the leader playing favorites within that group, and uh that can be very demotivating um It can also happen um through what we call fault lines within teams where um for various reasons people will associate with each other um you know within the team and this this can happen along age barriers it can happen along other types of demographics where people kind of separate themselves or or if there's like some sort of you know big controversy and people kind of split into two different sides. um, That is also, that's kind of another layer of an issue there because that's also a team dynamic. It's not just because of the leader perhaps, Uh, but it's something you should be aware of. And you should, as a leader, I think the takeaway here is um, really try to establish and maintain high quality relationships with everyone on your team. Now, some of those people you're gonna like more than others, some of them you may enjoy spending time with more than others but try your best to be uh, be judicious in how you do how you go about that whole process and the other piece is going back to the idea that the situation does matter and you may need to alter how you interact with certain people um, given the nature of the situation and what they face So if you love
1: SEC football right that's a southeastern conference for the uninitiated, and you're, you're a big Alabama or Georgia fan, right? Go dogs! And you've got a couple people on your team that also love football. And that's all you do is talk. If you hand an assignment to one of those guys, other people on the team is like, oh, that's your buddy-buddy group. Mm. And a lot of leaders come in with their own emotional wants and needs. And they try to get those met from their team. And it sets up these fault lines just intuitively because there's people that you will naturally have an affinity for. But if you're a leader, you got to say, you know what, I got to get my emotions met from like my family, my community, other, my peers. I've got to be super, super careful, which means you may not get to tell as many jokes as you want. Like I like these two guys because they laugh at my worthless jokes. These other people have a real sense of humor and don't think I'm funny at all. Right. You got to rise above that kind of thing to make sure that everybody feels included. And sometimes that means going to lunch with somebody you have next to nothing in common with and hearing about their Pokemon collection. Right. Because that's that's just part of the deal as you're curating these social relationships to make sure the team is firing on all cylinders.
0: You know, in addition to this idea of leader member exchange and the situational uh, view of leadership, uh, the last thing I think we could possibly talk about a little bit is this idea of transformational leadership, right? When you're when you really are going through some sort of uh, big change within a team, within an organization. Now, some organizations change more than others, uh, but all of them probably change a little bit at at various points, right? No No organization really stays the same forever, and there are a handful of different elements here, and this this really goes more towards. Um, you know, some of these leader activities or behaviors, things that you need to do in order to guide that group, that team, that organization through the change. And one of them is, you know, having that vision of the future, having an attractive future that here's where we're headed and here's why, and being the champion for that. The second piece is about communicating that vision. And I think just, you know, communication in general is something that, that leadership requires leaders need to do it. Uh, and you, you oftentimes, it, it's hard to over communicate. Um, now, unless you're just forwarding. Now, and when I say that, don't just flood your people with emails. I'm talking about real communication, um, talking about what's going on, making sure people know, what, you know what's obvious to you isn't obvious to them uh, because you're operating at a different level uh, if you're in a position of authority. Um, so, you know, creating that shared mental model of where you're heading is very important. So those, two pe- those are two pieces that are important, creating that strategic vision and communicating the vision. Right. So,
1: I mean, this has been a lot. There's so, there's so much stuff. So how should somebody, an individual say like, OK, I mean, I just got a bunch of information. How do I start and progress on my individual leadership
0: journey now? Mm, yeah, Um. that's that's a really, really good question. Um, and I do just want to mention there is more to that whole idea of transformational leadership. There's this idea of being a role model for what you're doing and building commitment to that vision and so forth. But I think, you know, as we're starting to come in on the home stretch here, um, uh, first of all, I love the question and the idea of a leader development journey, because this is a lifelong type of process for all of us in terms of how we interpret the world around us how we interact with our fellow humans. And if you are a person who sees some value in leadership, in being a leader, and I do want to address one thing. Sometimes people are like, wait, you know, why are we so concerned about leaders and leadership development? If everybody's a leader, it's not going to work well. Well, that's that comes from a place of thinking that leadership is only done by people in a position of authority, right? Leadership can happen by anyone. And if I, when I look around at the world around us, I see so many problems and so many opportunities that I do not think we are suffering from a lack of leadership, right? Or, I, or from a lack of, all right, we do suffer from a lack of leadership, right? We don't suffer from a lack of, um, or a, a surplus of people who are, we don't have too many leaders right now. Um, we have a lot of people who are, uh, who a lot of situations in which we need, uh, you know, progress in the right direction. Um, so, you know, I think if you want to get started, I think finding good role models, I think, um, developing relationships around you, developing your own knowledge of your organization, those are all key places to start. Um, you know, becoming an expert in something is a great way to uh, build your influence.
1: Yeah, and the, the thing I would say is, yeah, get those mentors, but realize that's one data point out of a whole lot. And it's there's a lot of leaders that don't under, now they're doing really well in the situation they find themselves in but they are not. And we see this in the data of executive derailment. It's like half. So if you're moving to a new position, new organization, about half of those guys and gals will be gone within 90 days. They don't survive because they only have one leadership gear that they can dive into. So I would say get knowledge around the evidence-based leadership literature. And start charting out, hey, I do this part pretty well, but I need to start developing, you know, make a list of competencies and other things that you need to start building so that you can be somebody that can jump to different organizations as you have to, as you want to move up the, you know, career ladder, as it were, and Mm -hmm. be successful wherever you find yourself landing.
0: And I think the key to doing all of that is humility. Because you have to have a sense, and a, and a, and this has to be real. It's not like, okay, I'm just going to get better at some stuff. You have to have a real sense that I'm probably not as good at everything as I think I am. Therefore, I need to learn. I need to listen to the people around me. I think that's really important, too, is getting good feedback, honest feedback from subordinates, from peers, from your leaders, trusted mentors. That could be really helpful in learning how to develop as as a person and as uh and as someone who wants to to be effective doing this thing we call leadership. The last thing I'll add here, Ben, is you gotta go get in
1: a leadership position. So if in your job you're just you know making the soup and that's what you love to do, well, I would say go find something in a community organization, a nonprofit, maybe something in your um faith organization where you can start organizing things building teams you can't read a book on boxing even if it's the best book ever and say you're a boxer like a boxer's somebody who's at least gotten into the ring and i would encourage everyone because the world is ripe with opportunities that need leadership to get out there and start you know yes develop the training and the knowledge but also take that to the lab uh, of life and the different leadership challenges that present themselves every day.
0: There are opportunities everywhere to practice leadership. So get out there and do something. Today on the Indigo podcast, we've talked about leadership. We've talked about what are we talking about when we talk about leadership? What do we know about leadership and how it works? And we've talked about how we can each make progress in our own leader development journeys.